What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on Wednesday around lunchtime, uh, a day after the Grizzlies opened up summer league play with a resounding wire-to-wire win over the Philadelphia 76ers. A lot of good stuff to take away from there. And the joy with summer league is that the games don't stop. The Grizzlies play again tonight on Wednesday night against uh, Chet Holmgren, Josh Giddy, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. They'll play the Utah Jazz tomorrow night, Thursday night. And then they'll be playing f- at least four games in Las Vegas starting on Saturday, July 10th. So buckle up. It's going to be uh, a little bit of a fast-paced uh, summer league action. Uh, but, you know, we got a great guest with us to talk about some of the few players on the summer league roster. But first, let me tell you how you can get in touch with the blog and with the podcast. So Grizzly Bear Blues is the official Memphis Grizzlies blog for SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. And Grizzly Bear Blues Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. And there you can find episodes of the Starting Five Podcast GNG podcast and old episodes of the Longview podcast and the Core Four podcast. Once again, I'm your host Parker Fleming, and with me is a NBA staff writer at For the Win, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, he does a lot of great draft stuff as well. His name is Brian Kalbrowski. Brian, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you having me. Looking forward to chatting about uh, some of the Grizzlies because, honestly, they've become one of my favorite teams to follow over the last few years, especially uh, with regard to how they draft. I think that they've got uh, a really, really uh, interesting and thought-provoking and, um, you know, against the grain way of evaluating talent and and definitely uh, something that's piqued my interest before and continues to do so again this year. Absolutely. And I, I do want to hear like what you like so much about it because it's kind of become this thing now where, you know, you have draft Twitter being like, Oh, the Memphis Grizzlies, they did it again. And they did it this time, even though they like, I'm not going to say, even though they got four really good players in the draft uh, after, you know, everybody didn't think that they would draft four players just because uh, this team, they just won 56 games. He came into the draft three most thought they would consolidate to move up pretty high for um, a more lottery caliber prospect, but instead they just worked the draft, got their guys. But Brian, what is it that stands out to you about the Grizzlies draft process and why you're such a big fan of it? Yeah, well, you know, I think for me, um, I, I think that they've done a really good job of finding guys in the draft who are just going to have long careers. Uh, I've been doing pre draft profiles with, uh, prospects for the last several years now and they 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 tend to draft the guys that I think do the best during my interviews to be honest with you I remember a few years ago uh shouting with uh, Xavier Tillman and uh, shouting with uh Desmond Bain and honestly even chatting with John Concher and just being impressed by uh the way that their games would translate to the pros they seem to have the right mentality they seem to have the right approach and the one thing that I really liked about Uh, all three of those guys and then Brandon Clark who I interviewed the year before as well was if you take away you know their 20 attempts per game that they had in college which you know a lot of guys have in college 15 you know attempts a game whatever it might be the high volume guys 
what are they, right? And I think that the Grizzlies do a really good job of finding guys where if you take away a high-volume shot attempt, they still are able to contribute in a ton of ways. And that's something that I've found to be uh, really, really interesting because I find that those are the guys uh, who have, you know, really good self-awareness and are able to find ways to stick around the league for a long time. Um, you know, they tend to be analytically friendly as well. Uh, but I think that it's not necessarily that they're drafting, you know, based off a computer. I think that, you know, a lot of times these guys fit these analytical profiles uh, because of personality traits that they have in some ways. You know, it's an unselfishness. It's a, it's a hustle. It's a determination. It's a grit. You know, it's a willingness to die for the loose ball and, and get that extra rebound and, you know, try on defense. Um, I find that, you know, guys who have really low steal rates and really low block rates uh, in college, you know, tend to not have as much success in the NBA because they can get played off the floor pretty well, uh, pretty often, uh, because they're just not great defenders, they're not pretty capable defenders. So, um, you know, the Grizzlies do such a good job of finding guys who aren't going to get played off the floor, have a toughness. You know, it's not just arbitrary stats that I'm looking at when it comes to stats like, you know, steal rate and block rate and defensive rebound rate. It, it says a lot about their willingness to put in that extra effort. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was at, I'm at, I'm in this like draft Twitter chat and somebody shared like the, the stock rate of the 2022 draft prospects, you know, steals plus blocks and all four draft picks for the Grizzlies were in that top 20. Uh, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, Kennedy Chandler, Vince Williams. So it's like what you said, they find guys that can contribute in other ways besides scoring the basketball because uh, and this was a term I've tried to throw out there more into the draft process because the Grizzlies, they, they didn't need to go draft this guy that was going to be this superstar or anything or had this superstar upside. Just go get somebody that compliments your guys. Your John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. Go get guys that compliment those guys. And it all kind of boiled down to whose skill sets can be the most scalable. And, you know, a guy I really thought kind of embodied that was Jake LaRavia. I, I think he embodied that big time. But it, you also go back to what you say. It's not like they're doing this on a computer. And Zach Kleiman said it uh, both right after the draft and the next day. And it really all sounds so simple. They analyze who, who the person is and if they're good at basketball. Brian, it sounds like such a crazy concept, but it's something that's the it's <laughs> it sounds so simple, but for the Grizzlies, it's worked. Yeah, well, you know, I think that a lot of guys, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of uh, front offices, you know, are factoring other things in as well. Um, you know, one thing that you didn't just mention is, is body type, right? Uh, Kennedy Chandler, for example, probably uh, you know, shortest drafted guy to combine uh, among guys who measured. I think maybe. John Montero may have been shorter. Scotty Pippen may have been shorter, but neither of them were drafted. So, you know, shorter player, right? Uh, David Roddy, and, um, you know, he wasn't drafted, but on the summer league roster, <laughs> Kenneth Lofton Jr. Maybe don't look like the big, the big, the best, like, uh, professional athletes, right? Uh, but at the same time, they know how to play the game. There's, there's a cerebralness to their approach. Uh, they, they're able to do uh, a variety of different things uh, beyond just, you know, jumping out of the gym. And while also Kennedy Chandler did do very well at the vertical, you know, sometimes you see a guy and he can jump, you know, 46 inches, right? But how well does he play the game of basketball? You know, because 
basketball isn't just about jumping. There's a lot more things you have to do beyond that. And I think that, you know, a lot of front offices will obviously look at length and wingspan and, uh, you know, speed and agility and all these things that obviously help you play basketball. And they're like, well, we can teach them the rest. And maybe that's true, but does he want to learn? And I think that what the Grizzlies have also done a really good job of is finding guys who, who want to get better because, if you look at all of these players that the Grizzlies have brought into their system over the last several years, they've all gotten a lot better once they've gotten into the league. Um, you know, for me, I went to Oregon, right? When I was at Oregon, Dylan Brooks was there as well. And I never looked at Dylan Brooks as our best prospect. Um, granted, he clearly has had the best career of anyone to come out of Oregon over the last several years. But, you know, you look at some of the guys who have come out of Oregon over the last several years, it's been way more hyped guys who aren't even really in the league anymore. I mean, you look at someone like Bull Bull, right? And like Bull Bull had a ton more hype than, than Dylan Brooks, but Dylan Brooks clearly had that that hunger to get better, that desire to put in that effort on defense and, and be just an absolute menace in that sense and, and pester people and get under their skin and, and do the things that you need to do to stay on the NBA roster. That, that matters. Um, Desmond Bain, you know, obviously when I interviewed him, I was really, really impressed by the ability that he would have as like a catch and shoot guy. I was like, this guy's going to come in and immediately shoot 40%, right? But he's brought in so much off the balance and his ability as a self-creator that I think he has all star upside because if he keeps improving at the scale he's been improving at, he clearly has the ability to get better. And so for me, I also think that that's a huge part of the draft, of the draft uh, philosophy that I like about Memphis because like you said, um, if you find guys who want to put in that effort, that's going to go a long way. Absolutely. And that's something that you've kind of hear a lot about, like in interviews and stuff with this team is they're all, they all kind of had this like underdog mentality and they kind of all carry this chip on their shoulder. Like all of them collectively do so. And it's definitely really cool to see. It's really cool to kind of see everybody kind of embody that same mindset in the front office to target those guys. You know, you like you bring up interesting points like the body type and um and just overall skill sets. Sure, they probably need a seven, a six eleven, seven foot lob threat. That's pretty bouncy. I mean, giving John Morant somebody like that that could just you basically just throw it up and they'll go get it. Like I really wanted like Jericho Sims last year in the draft for that very very reason. That's very enticing. They could probably use you know that kind of wild card X factor off the bench that could heat up for 20 to 25 points in a night, but it's working. There's no complaints there. I do want to ask you before we get into a particular player, you have got, you got the chance to spoke to speak with uh, Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, Vince Williams. And then correct me if I'm wrong. Did you speak to Kennedy Chandler as well? I have not spoken to Kennedy Chandler personally, um, but you know, it was definitely uh, hot on his game. Spoke to his father before the season started. Got to know the family a little bit. Um, and definitely followed his season pretty closely. But um, I think I did uh, 16, like, full-lane slip-down interviews with prospects before the draft. Uh, one of them was with Leonard Miller, who went back to school. So, uh, 15. I think maybe two or three of the guys went undrafted. Ron Harper uh, was one of them. And maybe one or two others when I'm drafted. So I think of the 12 guys that I uh, interviewed who were drafted, I think Memphis drafted three of them. Gotcha. So with, with the three guys that the Memphis Grizzlies drafted that you interviewed, LaRavia, Roddy, and Williams, what stood out 
or caught you off guard the most about any of those three guys? Um, well, I think that, you know, one thing that I found to be super interesting uh, about, you know, those guys is that they all seem to have uh, this willingness uh, and this identity of being uh, a role player when they came into the league. I think that, uh, you know, some guys come into the league, you talk to them, right, and you say, who are some guys who you think you can emulate when you turn pro, right? Who are some guys whose game you might play like? I don't really like player comps, but I like to know who these guys are watching and, and knowing, you know, okay, who do you think your peers are, right? And, 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 you know, some guys will say, like, you know, Kevin Durant for me, right? And it's like, okay, that's great. I hope you can play like Kevin Durant one day. And I do think there's a chance that maybe you can get there for all these guys. If they put in the effort, maybe, you know, there's always the guy who comes out of the second round and who maybe even becomes undrafted, who, who outplays his position. But realistically, like, who are some guys up top, right? And, and all of these guys that I spoke to, I think, had a really great self-awareness of who they think they could play like and, um, you know, what they think they'd be able to contribute when they got in the league that felt reasonable and felt really, uh, you know, like they had a self-awareness about themselves, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that I think goes a long way. Uh, and just like you said earlier, that scalability. And so for me, you know, I came away super impressed by by all of them that, that I spoke with, with Jake and with David and, um, you know, with, with Vince as well. Uh, just the idea that they knew that when they got in the league, they had a role to play and they were going to be the best version of themselves in that role. So um, I, I think that those are the things that really kind of caught me uh, the most uh, when I spoke to them is, is just their ability to, to come in and, and know who they are and know how they're going to add value in the league because, um, you know, not everyone's like that. You know, and I think that some of these guys, you know, are younger too. Like Jake is only 20. Uh, but even when I spoke to Jake, it, it felt really clear to me that this was somebody who I think could have, um, you know, a career in, in coaching and, and in the front office uh, when, he's, when he's done playing. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, like I uh, felt comfortable with Jake and hung out with him for a little bit after the interview and I was going over my big board with him and I was asking him, like, you know, you've played in the ACC. Who am I too high on? Who, who am I too low on? You know, let's go through this with each other because you actually have been here before. And, you know, in going through that with him, he, uh, he was able to not only tell me his thoughts on some of the guys in, in this class, uh, but also some of the international guys, as well as some of the guys in, in the G League and some of the guys in overtime. I mean, he was with one of his workout partners, so he was about to, um, you know, work out with, uh, you know, after the interview. And, and he was telling, uh, he was explaining Victor Wimbanyama to the kid. Uh, he was, you know, talking about guys in the 2023 draft and guys playing internationally and stuff. So that was something that really blew me away is that sort of self-awareness, but also just the awareness of hoops. That shows that that's a guy that loves basketball. You know, he, he clearly knows his stuff. I think he's, you know, after he's done playing, could definitely be a scout uh, or a coach in the NBA if he so chooses. Yeah, I actually remember hearing you talk about that story on uh, the Box and One podcast. And because I remember somebody said it in some, in some chat I was in, some about how, like, Jake LaRavia was able to, like, rattle off almost every guy every single one of his peers in the draft. I'm like, I, I got to find this. Cause I was going to like ask him about it and it's introductory press conference, but I was like, eh, and then the podcast it was supposed to be like kind of off the record. So I'm not going to ask that, but that, that is like something that was really cool. Was there any like deep cut like 2022 guys that Jake mentioned to you that you'd even think to have higher or anything? 
Um, <laughs> he told me who I should have lower. Uh, that was kind of uh, that was kind of the, the more interesting stuff uh, for me. There was no one that really stuck out uh, that I learned from Jake is like maybe I should reconsider him. Um, I think that uh, for the most part, you know, we uh, you know, we said it to agree. You know, I think he looked at my big board and uh, you know, I think that the guys that I seem to be higher on uh, than you know than consensus, he said that that was you know fair and. You know, he wasn't he wasn't really uh, pushing back on too much of it. Um, but yeah, I think that there were some guys that you know he he had played against that he was like, oh, I don't know about that kid being a you know a top sixty guy, honestly. So you know, I really uh, I really enjoyed that honesty and that candidness, and um, you know, it was cool. It was cool to chat with him, and um, you know, I definitely feel like uh, you know, you get a good sense of a guy uh, just from talking to him for a few minutes, and, and he and I spent you know an hour or so together. Uh, when we were when we were here in New York uh, together, so um, you know it was nice to get to know him. Nice to get to know uh, you know everything about what he stands for too as a player. And, um, you know I think that I think that that was one of my favorites of the ones I did this year. And um, you know I think that uh, you know I think we're we're already seeing that his jump shot looks better uh, now than it maybe did when he was in college. So I'm excited to see how that continues to improve once he's in the NBA because I think that's one thing that. Um, you know, really stands out to me about uh, his game is that, you know, Jay Flavio with an even more knockdown jumper uh, is a very special player. Absolutely. We definitely got to see uh, Jay Flavio and how his three-point game could be impactful in last night's summer league win, hitting four of his seven three-point attempts. And Brian, I really want to uh, really to kind of close this show, obviously talk, we'll talk about this guy a little bit more detailed, but uh, Vince Williams was somebody that's kind of, that kind of uh, just kind of stood out to me uh, after the draft process because, being completely honest, I'm not in as deep in the weeds in the draft as a lot of people are. I'd like to say I'm like in like the somewhere between like the 50th and 60th percentile in that regard. So there's just guys that I miss like just completely miss on when creating my big board just because they went to mid majors or it's just really really deep cut. And Vince Williams was someone after a lot of research was one of those guys for me. I, I didn't have him ranked in my top 58 just because I didn't know enough of who he was and had so much, had so little time to actually, you know, dig in and research given uh, the state of the Memphis Grizzlies season this season, obviously would rather focus on the idea of winning a championship rather than going through about 75 to 80 draft prospects. But, uh, there's just a lot of interesting stuff I found about Vince Williams. Obviously there was in the profile that you put up on for the win. He has very similar uh, defensive uh, statistics to Herb Jones, DeAnthony Melton, Gary Payton, the second and Raymond green and uh, chip Jones, another uh, great uh, draft analyst. He ran a uh, report on the six, five players in college basketball over the past, I think probably like 10, 12 years, who have had at least a assist percentage, at least 15 or higher, block percentage, three or, three or higher, seal percentage, 2.5 or higher, while also shooting thirty at least 35% from three on nine attempts per 100 possessions. There were only five players, Clay Thompson, Courtney Lee, Danny Green, Paul George, Vince Williams. And so you you read up on all that and factor in like, hey, this is a guy that 
He's 6'5", has a seven-foot wingspan, great at creating defensive events while also being able to shoot threes. Why did he not go higher? I, I mean, I feel like you you take that profile and slap it on a 19 to 20-year-old kid that went to a, uh, a blue blood school, and we're talking about a lottery guy, but here, here we are. The Grizzlies were able to nab Vince Williams at the 47th pick, and now they have signed him to a two-year, two-way contract. Brian, like what – what kind of happened with his draft stock there? Is there anything that obviously gets missed inside of all this? What 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 happened here? Yeah, I mean, listen, I the whole time with Vince Williams, I looked at kind of similar queries uh, using Bart Torvik and stuff like that. And I was looking around and, you know, when you look at, you know, the guys who accomplished what he accomplished, like I said, like the guys who pretend to show up are guys who play a long time in the league, you know, playing good defensive roles. and. Um, you know, I think that I was about, uh, you know, to ask him specifically about Herbert Jones, because that to me was the guy who his game most really resembled. When I spoke uh, to Herbert last year, uh, to me, it felt similar to when I spoke to Vince this year. Um, and so I was just talking to Vince and I was asking him, you know, who are some of the guys you like to watch? And before I asked about Herbert specifically, I wanted to hear who he would say. And Herbert was the only guy he mentioned. And I was so excited because that was exactly what I wanted him to say. Uh, and that was exactly the guy who I think, um, you know, he most reminded me of. Obviously, the stuff you mentioned just now, the queries about, like, Paul George and stuff, that would require a ton of uh, a ton of improvement for Vince as a self-creator and some of the off-the-dribble stuff. But, um, you know, I think in terms of his ability to come into the league and play a role, um, if he's able to do some of the stuff that, uh, you know, like you said, you know, you know, that defensive creation, um, you know, an event creation uh, that, that we saw, you know, Herb have during, during his rookie year last year, he's going to be in a great spot. And I think that, you know, it's great they got him on a two-year, two-way. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if uh, that contract gets converted to a fully guaranteed roster spot at some point before those two years elapse. Um, you know, he, he's somebody to me who I think, um, you know, you, like you said, the mid-major plays a role. Um, you know, I think the age plays a role. He is young for his year. Uh, same with Jake Laravia. Memphis tends to find those guys, guys who are young for their year. Um, but I think, you know, playing four years in college tends to not be great for your draft stock. I mean, VCU, I don't think, played a tournament game, uh, you, you know, many of the last two years. Unfortunately, they had to forfeit their game against Oregon uh, in 2021, back when Owens Highland was on the team. And Bone Thailand still improved his draft stock quite a bit during the combine because he's the kind of guy who can really go nuts during a combine type environment, you know, with the scrimmages. But, you know, I think Vince is not the kind of player who's really going to show up as much during individual workouts and stuff like that uh, because he's just not, you know, the kind of guy who's going to be beating you up with a dribble and, and doing fancy stuff that shows up at a box score like that. So I think he's someone you have to watch a little bit more closely. I think it's kind of simple, honestly. I think it's just that, um, you know, you, 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 don't, you don't see 20 points, you know, a game or anything crazy. You see, you know, fairly modest numbers. But, you know, to me, those modest numbers uh, are the ones that matter the most uh, to what he's going to do in the NBA. So um, I, I think that, it, you know, it was a combination of being a senior, playing as a mid-majors, uh, not having tournaments, uh, you know, because they didn't make the tournament this year. The year before, uh, there was a COVID situation where they didn't make uh, the game either. So. Um, you know, I think across the board, he, he's just a kid who I think um, is going to make, uh, make an impact. You know, I think that 
Um, you know, if he plays most of his minutes this year, or at least at the start of this year in the G League, we'll start hearing about, you know, some of the success he has at that level. Um, I don't think he's going to do anything that necessarily jumps off the page on the box scores right away. Uh, but I think that Memphis is going to keep their close eye on him, tracking his development, monitoring his success. And I think when we see more of that kind of stuff, uh, we're going to see uh, a decent amount uh, of, of, you know, what, what's going to translate to the NBA uh, in a role player position. And honestly, you know, with the Anthony Melton, you know, now in Philly, dude, I could see, I, I could see Vince filling a really similar role. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to a D'Anthony Melton replacement, obviously it's not going to happen as soon as the next season. And I, I frankly would like to see them go get uh, a veteran to go fill in as a, uh, another backup wing. But, you know, Vince Williams is a guy you can point to and say, oh, yeah, I can see that guy filling in that role. I mean, D'Anthony Melton's gone, and then uh, John Conchar has two more years on his team-friendly deal, and he's probably going to get a, a smidge priced out uh, in his next deal for the Grizzlies. But, you know, they kind of moneyball that a little bit. They have Vince Williams in there. Uh, they got him in the developmental system. And – it's, a, again, one of those things that kind of points to is scalability. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you break down with Vince and a lot of the stuff that I've seen, he, he just fits the Grizzlies' MO and what they're trying to go for. They want guys that are going to create defensive events, defend on both, or, and just kind of grind it out both sides of the floor. They want guys that can play make from all over the floor so they can take, take advantage of different advantages they create um, off driving kicks and just – Overall, just moving the basketball. They want guys that can shoot threes. Obviously, we saw that with Vince Williams last night, shooting three from four and just a really quick trigger on that three-point jumper. And he also shot 38% from three in his last season at VCU. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, you look at all the tools with him and his skill set, and you're like, okay, this is definitely a an NBA wing that it's very easy to not see him fail and to see him end up having a impactful 10 year career as an NBA journeyman. And when you're looking at guys on two way contracts, guys in the second round, that that's the best sort of value to get. Definitely. Especially considering a lot of times, you know, people in the second round, you know, are willing to just trade the pick for cash or trade the pick for, uh, you know, or not even trade the pick, but take a guy who's a draft and stash and, and I get it, you know, but maybe they view Vince as more of like a G League sash, right, with the two-way. But, you know, I think that it's a, it's a gamble that the reward is really high uh, and pretty easy to see how it could pay off. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one thing that really kind of stands out in, in your interview with Vince Williams is like what you said in this podcast, the self-awareness to be like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to model my game after Herb Jones and – Herb Jones, you know, he definitely caught a lot of national media's eyes with his uh, defensive abilities. And honestly, Willie Green kind of just saying, all right, we're going to turn to Herb Jones and completely bench Garrett Temple. Kind of opened up the floodgates for the Pelican season into this surge into the eighth seed, into a strong six-game series exit in the first round against the best team in the league. And – it's also one of those things, too, where, again, you don't want to get caught too caught up in player comparisons because comparison is the thief of joy. I think Herb Jones is kind of shaping out to potentially be a generational defender with his size and defensive instincts. But what kind of separates Vince Williams in that regard? Anything in particular he should work on? Does 
different, uh, different measurements or disadvantages that he has against Herb Jones. What, what do you think uh, kind of differentiates Vince Williams from Herb Jones in that regard? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, like Herb was somebody who, who was a, a really, really, really special uh, player during his first year in the league. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Herb was also somebody who I think shot like 9% from three as a junior. Uh, and then, you know, near by one point during his senior year was shooting almost 40%. So for, for, for me, I, I think that um, that just shows a willingness for Herb to get better at everything. Uh, obviously, it manifested in three-point shooting, but I think it said a lot about his work ethic, most of all. Um, so I, I think that, you know, if we see some similar stuff from Vince with his just his, his determination and his grit and his, uh, his willingness to get better. You know, uh, that's that's what it comes down to for me. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Vince just needs to, um, you know, keep putting that work in. I know it sounds super cliche, but, um, you know, Herb's obviously got a little bit of height on him. But, you know, I think the biggest thing for, for me uh, with Herb was just, you know, that he, he improved. Like he was, I think, coming into college or coming out of college, they were really similar players with fairly similar statistical profiles. Herb may have had a little bit more eyes on him playing in the SEC. Obviously, he was playing alongside, you know, Josh Primo, who was a lottery pick. So there were some eyes on that uh, because of that. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, Herb was a great leader. I think that, you know, really smart player, uh, really, really, uh, you know, well-regarded by his teammates. I was with Josh Primo on uh, on draft night, and Josh was thrilled when, when Herb was drafted. He seemed to love the guy. And, um, you know, I think that, if we see similar traits from Vince, you know, at VCU, he's going to be in a good spot. Or from, from you know, from when he was at VCU uh, to the NBA, he's going to be in a good spot in the NBA. So uh, I can't really speak to anything in particular um, where you know it, it really will need to separate himself because I think they do have relatively similar profiles. I think it just is going to come down to just how much, <laughs> how much will, it, how much can better can you get? Like how much, how much, uh, how much time you're going to put in? You know, how how self aware are you? But I think that in terms of what we've seen from him so far, he seems to know the things that you need to know. I think he's got, um, you know, a great support system uh, around him, you know, in Memphis. Um, you know, he's in a great draft class in Memphis uh, to, to elevate. You know, I think that, you know, when it comes to rookie classes, these are four guys who are all ready to contribute, in my opinion. Um, you know, Kennedy may be a little bit less so, but he didn't show any problems last night uh, in summer league. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's that Kennedy is not going to be good. I think it's that he's just younger and shorter. Um, but I think that, you know, Kennedy is definitely a supremely talented individual who got a lot better as season went on too. So, you know, if these guys push each other to get better and, um, you know, keep grinding each other out and, uh, you know, get, uh, you know, all the, all the time in the gym you need to, to improve your game, they're going to be in a good spot. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's, something that's nice with uh you know drafting these older players that they're they're ready to go from the jump and uh you know i think the one that really kind of i think the guy that is a day one rotation player it's definitely going to be jake laravia uh obviously there's still stuff to shake out to see if roddy will end up playing or but and then also too i think kennedy chandler is in one of the best spots to be in for uh, a second round draft pick getting to learn under John Morant and Tyus Jones while getting those developmental reps in the G league. 
Like, I, I feel like that's, I think that developmental thing is going to pay off for Kenny Chandler, especially on the deal that the Grizzlies have gone for. Uh, signed him to a four year, yeah. $7 million deal that's, they say, is the largest deal of any American right. second round draft pick. And also, too, the Grizzlies, you know, they take, they take care of their guys. We saw with the John Conchar deal, we saw with Xavier Tillman's uh, second round deal. Uh, they also, and now Kennedy Chandler. Whenever they trade guys, they trade them to good situations most of the time while also trying to maximize the return that they're getting, um, whether it's Andre yeah, Vidal. Yeah, Melton. Yeah, Melton at Philadelphia. I'm, I'm already incredibly excited to watch from afar the, uh, the D'Anthony Melton, Tyrese Maxey backcourts. Uh, traded Grayson right. out in Milwaukee. Uh, Mike Conley to Utah. I mean, the list just goes on. They, they take care of their guys. Right. They draft well. They have a good culture. It seems really simple. But uh, Brian, I want to. Yeah, thank I mean, you. listen. Oh, yeah, go ahead. yeah. No, I was just gonna say I'm a <laughs> I'm a Lakers fan originally. I'm from Los Angeles, and um, you know, the more I cover the league, the less of a fan I become of teams and like individually, and more of just players I've spoken to and and situations and all that kind of stuff. But I look at the Lakers and the way they've built their team the last few years. All this year, maybe it looks a little bit better so far from free agency. I look at the Grizzlies and I'm like, well, there's one team that's doing everything right and one team that's doing everything wrong. And I just look at uh, all of that. And I think they, like you said, with, uh, with Kennedy's backcourt situation, you know, Tyus is another guy. The first time I interviewed him, I was like, oh, this guy could coach in the league one day if he wants to. You know, he's, he's someone who's going to be such a good vet. I'm really glad they kept him around. Uh, I think that, you know, Tyus could start for a lot of teams in this league. So, um, honestly, he probably would have been my vote for sixth man of the year last year if I had a vote. I just think that, you know, there, there's there's flashy things that Tyler Hero can do from a scoring perspective, but when it comes to positive impact on a court, uh, Tyus, I think, does all of that so, so well. Um, you know, I think that he makes the winning plays. You know, he really does. And, um, you know, teams tend to do better when he's there. And I think that you said, like, that Kennedy's going to learn from that. So uh, I think all these guys are in such a good spot. Uh, Jake, I think, is going to be a wonderful addition to the rotation in Memphis. Yeah. Very excited about this draft class. Very excited to see. Also, too, with Summer League, how, how Zaire Williams takes steps, how uh, we see Xavier Tillman and Zanzi Aldama perform with. Right now, there's an opening night rotation spot out there for the taking with Jaron Jackson Jr. out um, probably until Christmas. So very, very interesting. Very interesting to see how all this uh, shakes out over the next couple of weeks. But uh, Brian, I want to thank you very much for joining us uh, on this week's edition of uh, Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Is there anything else that you want to add before we sign off here? Anything you want to plug in before we sign off? No, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me on, and uh, hopefully uh, we can talk again soon, man. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, make sure y'all follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Kalbrowski. B-R-Y-A-N-K-A-L-B-R-O-S-K-Y for all great NBA stuff, but also great draft stuff. He really helps you prepare to get to know these guys, not just from their game, but also their personalities. Ahead of the draft, you can read up on all of his uh, draft interviews. And for my Grizzly fans, particularly Jake LaRavia, David Roddy, and Vince Williams. So check that out at For the Win, uh, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. You can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you are following the blog on Twitter at SPN Grizzlies and checking out all of our work over at grizzlybearblues.com and checking out 
the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, and with that, just make sure you're uh, sticking in with uh, the Grizzly Summer League. Uh, GBB's got it all covered for you. Uh, so don't miss out. It's it's a fun time. Little a nice little a nice little way to fulfill that basketball itch uh, in the middle of the offseason. So yeah, it's fun. This is a uh, grit. This is Grizzly Bear Blues live. It's GBB next gen. You hear me? We'll be back next week. 